Hello, mech fans. This is Duncan Fisher. Hold on firmly to your mana potions, fireballs, and familiars, because you are tuning in to your regularly scheduled episode of the First Circuit Podcast. And welcome to episode 159 of the First Circuit Podcast. Tonight's hosts are Ian. Hello, I'm a podcast. A biter. Uh, Blarg, I'm also a podcast. And old Bob10025, I'm a podcast as well. So tonight, I have no clue what's going on, so I'll give it to Biter. And Biter! Oh, uh, alright, yeah, so for episode 159, we're talking about our feelings about the last year or so of MWO, I guess you call it Reborn. You know, they've been trying to rework MWO, bring uh, brief life back into the game. And so we're just going to feel feel out how we feel about all these changes and stuff, and uh, yeah, get into all that So. Guys, uh, overall, how much have you been playing MWO? Uh, you know, over the last part of the year, has it increased, decreased, anything like that? Bob, take it away. I think your answer is going to be short. <laughs> uh, to tell you the truth, um, in the beginning, I was like, "Yay, gung ho!" Uh, but it came to realization, came to realization of um, where burnout was big. It was huge, and uh, seeing what they did, I pretty much um, uninstalled the game. I, I don't play MechWarrior like online. Uh, I might pop it up. I think I popped it up twice this year, but but literally, uh, um, and then took and just took it down. It's not fun. It's not exciting. It's not what it was. It's not what it used to be. And so uh, my my take, um, mostly just reading what's going on and uh, doing stuff like that. And I just haven't been playing. I've been playing MechWarrior like, five though. Um, five though. Yeah, uh, just to probe a little more into that, um, how long ago did you uninstall? And just very briefly, what was your, you know, sort of main reasons? Just burnout, or is it anything, you know, that has been going on? Um, I would probably say a lot of it's burnout. Um, for like what six years, all I did was MechWarrior Online, literally, uh, mm -hmm. videos, um, you know, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. It's just that's that's all I did, and. Um, it just you just have a certain point of burnout where the game doesn't become fun anymore, even with changes to maps, changes with the max, changes with uh, you know just different things that go on. It doesn't appeal to what it actually used to be back then, um, back in that time of like you know this was like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, and with the advent of MechWarrior Five coming out, where everyone switched over to that to make the different things, you saw a total decrease in uh, time and energy into MechWarrior Online. That uh, just like, well, why am I playing this game anymore? You know, uh, why am I doing this? Why am I, you know, why am I being excited about this game? You know, when obviously the company, it just has the lights on, or just you know, just keep it on light support, like pretty much. And the last time, I, I think I installed it about a month ago. I, I, I would say, um, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't have that appeal. It just doesn't have that um, that excitement. You know, basically, I find a lot of uh, um, hate. I'm well, not hate. Um, uh, bitterness from players than I used to actually have from from play from players themselves when I used to play, and there's a lot more of that for some dumb reason. All right, uh, up next, Ian. How how have you been feeling about MWO lately? It's kind of uh, a two uh, two sided thingy. I forgot the English proverb for it, but uh, so on the one hand, it's um, I've never really enjoyed playing Mecha Online completely on my own. So I've kind of been doing that 
just as much as I've been doing the last five, six, seven years. So every now and then I get the urge to play my crew online. I pop it on, I play for a couple of games, I close it for the next few weeks. The main reason I've always enjoyed my crew online was playing with people. And as you may or may not remember, um, our good friend Lash has not been playing Macquarie Online with groups for a long while now. Um, mostly because there was a point where we couldn't find the eight and then later 12 people we needed to actually start a group. Uh, that has thankfully changed with the introduction of SoupQ. So ever since then, I have been playing more regularly than I was before whenever we got a two or three man group together. But for the most part, it's still... Whenever there are people who want to play, I play. And otherwise, every second or third week, I'll play for a couple of hours. But it's nowhere near as intense as, as, as it was back at the beginning of the game. So I'd, I'd say in the in the past year, my playtime has been going up compared to before, especially after the, um, after the skill reset we've had. I've been playing on um, a variety of accounts, just checking out the different uh, skill tiers and such. I had a bit of fun with that. But it's not back to where it was uh, like five or six years ago. Yeah. I, I just have two things to add, though, basically. As far as uh, um, streamers, you know, um, since I keep in touch with streamers a lot, and even the streamers that used to um, do it 24-7, they're actually jumping off to different avenues of uh, of games. They actually stopped streaming MechWarrior Online. Uh, you see a bunch of new different types of streamers doing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I putting that in there yeah to be fair you can't stream one game for yeah oh yeah how long has macware been out god 2012 nine years close to 10 years yeah yeah it's been around for a while but like you just noticed uh they jumped and doing different things instead of just macware like online they were diehard people diehard big time i mean yeah you were also diehard right and yeah. eventually you just burn out if you do something too much exactly exactly yeah, it's um, uh, overall, I think if you know, you look at the Steam chart in the corner there, you know, we had so many more players, obviously, five or six years ago, and it's been a slow, steady stream downwards from there. You know, the MWO has a surprising longevity, um, but yeah, it is a game very long into its life cycle. And it's, <clears throat> there has been a lot of change to the game, but as its fundamentals, in some ways, it is still MWO. You know, there's you, even if you sort of change up the maps, change up the weapons, do all these other little you know things that they have been doing. Um, if you've just played the game for thousands of hours, it's it's the um, it's it's just more hundreds of hours you're piling on top, and you it, there's a certain point where you get burnout where you've already own own all of the mechs. I think yep. on the most fundamental level, that is probably still the case. Um, for me personally, yeah, I think Snoop Soup Q was very much sort of a mixed blessing, much more of a chance to play with people, but I didn't necessarily actually get that much more chance to play with people, uh, just in the way uh, how I go about the game. I often, at least, I, I, I come and go from MWO, and when I come back to the game, I like to play solo for uh, quite a bit just to get myself reacquainted with the meta for me to um, get more comfortable with my mechs and so I can get back into that position where I'm carrying my lance again. And the tricky thing is that um, with how the spawns and everything else is jumbled up and how the game plays, it just does not feel quite the same at all anymore playing as a solo. And that's really hurt my ability to sort of get back into the game. 
the changes and other things I'm not always the biggest fan of, so that's also sort of a disincentive for me, which is why I've particularly not played. But um, yeah, let's um, talk about what PGI have been trying to do, though. Um, you know, burnout is just something that's going to happen, but they've been trying to right the ship and trying to make the game fresh, and they have done a lot of changes. If you look at you know all those patch notes, those are filled with details. Well, yeah, they, you know, basically they're changing the maps, changing the mechs. Uh, they're actually putting new mechs out, which is, you know, I think, what, every month now? Just like they used to do it like before with the two different mechs and the extra ads and, you know, like stuff like that. They've been, they've been. The mech packs. Yeah, the Those mech are packs, like yeah. every other month or something like which, that. Which, you know, just... which is good. Yeah, you know, basically, you know, doing changes like that does bring in the player base. Don't get me wrong, but it just seems it's on life support like uh, until probably next year or the year after that and then even then it's kind of like it's so, you know <laughs> it's um, not gonna be here's there. the thing i feel about the mech packs um i think they'll find enough way to support the game at least if you're still active the thing is there's a huge issue with bloat that we have so many variants already in the game it's very very difficult to add something that truly is new so like the, the first mech pack came out with something like the grand dragon Ooh, the Grand Dragon. Now, now that it's so many months down the line, is the game really that much more fun because the Grand Dragon happens to exist? My feeling is mostly no. The Grand Dragon, I hardly see it played. Or, you know, I hardly play it. Um, I mean, it, if it's one of the, the mechs people really like taking out, they'll take it out and you'll see it plenty. But like most variants in the game, they probably are relatively niche. And, you know, it's doesn't, it doesn't actually change anything. There's so many mechs that can just do what the Grand Dragon can do, if not better. Um, there are variants like uh, the new Thunderbolt, Mask, and ECM. That's kind of neat, though, of course, you get into the uh, little issues of, you know, that Thunderbolt replacing other variants, perhaps, or that, thunder, you know, more ECM is going to cause more issues for missiles. And so that slowly, if you introduce more and more variants with ECM, you know, the first three, three out of four variants had ECM, um, you're just going to have more and more issues added to the game. At least you're going to slowly change the balance, a bit like if you add the AMS Corsair. So more and more variants, I don't think, yeah, it's fine to support the game, but they really aren't game changers, would be my, my opinion on it. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, what the main issue is. Um, does it, you know, is it ju juice with or squeeze? Is it worth it to put this in there? They can only do so much, I, I understand that. They can only do so much compared to what the engine can actually support and go and do what they can change and all that kind of stuff. But what can they do to make the game fun, to bring in new players, to change it to a, to a significant amount besides just putting out mech packs or changing the maps up a little bit? They need something to bring in the old players, bring in the new players, bring in the casual players. Because you know, that's your main base of people that actually uh, want to come back. And they come back and look at it to play for six games. They're like, well, this is the same thing. Then they go off and do something else. Yeah, I don't. Um, I think that is, um, you know, compared to the sheer scale of burnout and how long the game is in its life cycle, the feeling I get is that there is no easy, real answer to that. Mm -mm, Maybe a fun mode, but even then, a fun mode has to be really, really, really fun. Like that thing has to be a hit. Like they came out with Solaris. That's a kind of neat idea, you know. Um, but obviously, in the long run, it's just it wasn't really that fun. It wasn't really engaging and therefore it didn't, you know, increase player count. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, the, the thing is like, you know, a fun mode, you know, that, um, 
uh, has been talked about. It was like, oh, that, that's an interesting idea. That could be a, a great way to revitalize the game, but it's a gamble, just like any change. You know, there's risks and benefits to all of them. Yeah. Um, to go through what has been changed, though, like, you know, I think, as I sort of said, like, along with the line of new mech variants, there's been a lot of changes, like, uh, to mech agility, mech quirks, et cetera, et cetera. Now, these are, they're doing a lot of changes. But the tricky thing is with all of these changes is, you know, let's just think of an example, like uh, the spider hero, the Ansai. Um, that thing has, you know, two ballistic hard points and it had like no machine gun rate of fire. So they're just going to increase the machine gun rate of fire. Well, that's nice. That does make the mech more usable. It's just before the change and after the change, I have a feeling almost no one really used the spider hero. And so therefore, fundamentally, the game hasn't really changed. Yeah. Um, you, you could change that uh, that hero's um, agility values. And again, it's it's nice when you're using the mech, but it's only a slight quality of life feature. It, it, it's the same game fundamentally. It does not address the issues of burnout. Um, it's own, And as far as all the quirks go, a lot of them are going to be, the majority is stuff like, oh, we're going to give this one 10% cooldown, a little bit more armor. They're nice changes, but they're nothing like the fun quirks we've had in the past, like the Rapid Fire AC2, uh, Blackjack, the Rory Agile, uh, Vindicators or Quick Draws, et cetera, et cetera. Like, the, there are a couple of variants that, you know, the, there are exceptions, but uh, for the most part, the majority of the time, you know, if you're picking a variant, it's better now. You know, the mech might have its like some, some of its irons, some of its issues ironed out, but this isn't a game changer at least in my opinion it's it's nice but um it's not necessarily a reason to come back to the game yeah and also when everyone's special no one's special that sense uh with all the mechs getting i'd say buffed yeah all the mechs are getting buffed basically so no one are really getting buffed and the specialization isn't quite there but that's kind of detail i think one of the interesting things uh we've kind of touched on but not really is the whole burnout thing how do you combat burnout when you're talking about a player base that's multiple thousand people strong. How do you fight against that collective burnout? What can you do to uh, get people to, I don't know, stop playing the game for a month and get their get their life balance back and then come back with fresh energy? Uh, I feel like yeah. that's kind of a more of a real life question than a game design question at this point. Well, you know, that's a really good question, actually. That's a really good question. How do you do it for multiple people? Um, and then what do you do for individuals? Um, I I know for myself when I, when I had burnout before and then came back for, you know, about six months or something like that and then burned out for a month or two, is that um, doing different builds and just silly, dumbass builds that, you know, try to try to make them work. Uh, just like we were talking about the spider, you know, the like Ansi, is, you know, I'll use it. You know, just to see if I can do something with it, you know, type thing. You get that challenge back, like in, like in the game itself. Um, and that's, I, I think, one of the ways, pe you know, people can actually um, uh, stop burnout is just do something else besides, you know, the dire well with the PPC, Goss, and, you know, like whatever, basically some, some meta build you always use all the time to get the points and the score, you know, type thing. And if you do something else besides the, the builds you normally use, and just try try using a freaking rifleman or something like that. You know, just some mech that like it doesn't work, but you try to make it work, and then that that creates more of a of incentive to actually play the game more. And there and, goes all Bob offending a whole group. Yeah, screw you, rifleman, rifleman fanboys. 
<laughs> so, but, um, but but like majority though, I I don't know. I don't know what they can do. You know, to tell you the truth, it, it just feels the game's on life support and ready to to crash and burn in next year. You know, that's All that's right. um. Uh, Yeah, there's a a very difficult question to answer, I think, but here's um, a starting point, at least in my head. If I'm sort of a casual fan and I'm I'm sort of burnt out from the game, I come back after a month, what am I going to look at? Okay, I I go to the MechWare Online website, I see patch notes, I click on that, and there's just a wall of gameplay changes. Yeah. If I'm a person who have hasn't is not too involved in the game, a wall of just you know slight quirk changes and stuff. It's just like it's uh, it's a monstrosity to get your head around. So I'm just like, okay, uh, they've changed the game or whatever. I click back and I click event, and I log in. You know, I see what the event is. Oh, all right, I just need to go in. I do damage. And I I might feel incentivized to go into the game and earn some C bills. Who knows? You know, some all the extra goodies you get for your 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 weekly events, your monthly events, or whatever. Next month, you know, some other casual person comes, you know, someone who's not super involved in the game, they've taken a step back from MWO, they come up, they turn up and they go, oh, what's the patch notes? Oh, look, it's another huge list of, you know, really tedious details. They go to the event page. What is the event this week? Is it really different? Oh, well, it's um, do 5,000 damage, um, get this much match score, uh, get, you know, shoot down a UAV or whatever. It's, um, for me, it's sort of like the, the way you're, uh, selling your game is really dry and boring. Uh, that would be at least on the PGI side of things. That um, you know, free free mechs are actually the best incentive. I think probably is the thing that you know. Oh, if I play this month, I'll I'll get myself an Ebon Jaguar. I'll get myself a Hellspawn. You know, and uh, you just need to make sure people know hell that hey that Hellspawn has gotten you know a new quirk for five SRM sixes, and the Ebon Jag has gotten new quirks. You know, to do a whole host of things because it's an Omni mech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but fundamentally, I feel sort of like, um, you know, with most of these patches, they're incredibly dry and therefore the most dedicated of players. And the way they are sold to an audience, um, it, 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 for me, it feels like there's, there needs to be almost just less chunks, walls of text of changes and more just um, coming up with a cohesive plan to really sell the game is changing. Like in my head, if you did a, just a, a wave of, of quirk changes for just light mechs, for example, it's like, well, this month, hopefully we're going to see a whole bunch of light mechs and, or, you know, just this, that, and the, the challenges would be for playing as light mechs or something like that. So each month or each every couple of months or something like that, it feels like something is going on in the game, that there's an event going on rather than you know, the closest we get to it is it just there happens to be a lot of Hellspawns. There happens mm-hmm. to be a lot of Ebon Jaguars. That's the closest of what we've got to a sort of really, other than the gameplay changes, if you're just a more casual player, all you're really sort of seeing is the free mechs. And that is an improvement, but um, it, it, it's it's still, the majority of it is really quite dry. Well, to like expand what you're talking about, like, you know, every Thanksgiving, what happens? What happens with the event? Every Thanksgiving, October and Christmas, what happens? What so type like, of always the same event? Yeah, grab bags. Do, yeah, it's grab bags. Yeah, yeah. So, so like you're looking at um, uh, their their engine they have to use with. I get it that it's like one of the you know they can't do much with you know, and so they have to like say you know five thousand damage, you know two thousand match score like whatever basically whatever they may have for it, and so they don't really have that option. And I get it, you know, basically. But unfortunately, though, a lot of people who don't really think or have you know critical thinking about that don't get it and they'll just look at it and just like you said and go and we go do something else 
you know, this is boring. I'm going to go ahead and off and play Pokemon or, you know, Fortnite or something, you know, type thing. So, you know, it, it it's not their fault for having a crappy engine, but at the same time, it you know, get creative, get get imaginative of what you can do. And that's what they did with the Max. That's what they did with the uh, the uh, free Max. Well, it's... Yeah, it's not their fault for having a crappy uh, event engine. I mean, they built it, so... Well, yes. they didn't build it. They bought it, though. Didn't they buy it? They, yeah, they bought the rights to it. There's another company actually made the game, right? Well, yes, but uh, game engine and the engine that you end up using in a game are usually two very different things, unless you're specifically trying to go with a vanilla game engine that's not modified. And um, I know CryEngine a bit, it's mm-hmm. heavily modified to make Max work. Uh, that's given. But I actually want to go back to something uh, Bido said. Um, the clustering changes in a way that it feels like the game is changing. I think that's actually a really good point. Um, you remember about a year ago. That's kind of why we're doing this right now, because the changes were sort of started about a year ago. We got a big roadmap where they had like every three or so months, here's a large segment of stuff we want to change. Yeah. And I get a feeling that's kind of died off. And I feel like this dying yep. off of this roadmap has also kind of correlated to my excitement dying a bit off. Yeah. Because on the roadmap, you see like, okay, this month or this uh, three months, we're going to focus on the big Mac rework. We're going to put together a giant list of changes, rework all the Mac works. And that's an excite. That's a source of excitement for me, this bundle of, okay, I'm going to go in at some point and all the Macs are going to be different and it's going to be great. But what ended up happening is check, we got a couple max and another couple max, now another couple max, and none of them really stood out in a way. And um, I I often go back to League of Legends as a comparison because League of Legends is another one of those super long running games that somehow is still alive and somehow really fun. And what I've been trying to do for a while is take a class of characters and rework not individual random characters but take the whole class and rework them so they had all the assassins and they reworked all the assassins at the same time so at some point you dropped in and boom suddenly the game uh, had completely new type of assassin and they played very different and i think that's something that bio brought up that would have been really cool to do i mean hindsight's 2020 but still take all the light max and say okay this month all the light max are gonna get changed and Today is the month of the light Mac and just communicating yeah. like this. Yeah. I do think that would have made a big difference in yeah. also the patch notes. Like right now, the patch notes are random. You kind of scroll in or you press Ctrl F and search for the Mac you want to play and be like, anything changed? Eh, okay. If they just did, okay, month of, of the light Mac. So, you know, all the light Macs are changed. So if you play a light Mac, something has changed. That would have been much easier to communicate to people. I think on the side of communication, yeah, back uh, back uh, when they uh, started MWA Reborn, there was like what weekly, bi-weekly sort of uh, dev logs. Yeah, they had the roadmap and stuff. There's so a lot of work and communication. Um, and for the last few months, it's been mostly sort of silence until you know th- there would be an occasional vlog where they turn up and they sort of say, "Hey, look, here's the reworked map," and they just sort of all chat about yep here's the new map look it's it's new and we did have a devlog recently and it carried that kind of energy it just Um, yeah it it just stopped the momentum pretty much you know pgi has their momentum stopped because they're not even happy about it 
type thing. Yeah. yeah. So to talk on the PGI side of things, you know, obviously they've never been the best of communication, but also what kind of resources do they have at hand? And, you know, for all this whole year, all it's been is really they got a guy to do some maps. Um, there was talk of them getting an external studio in to do code work for them. Um, they were given a quote, I think, and PGI said, oh, well, we can do it cheaper in-house. So uh, they aren't actually getting help from outside to do coding work. They have to actually decide themselves to get somebody to code. But, you know, they're really, in the long run, it's just they're dragging their heels on uh, really getting any anyone in to do any more yeah. significant changes. So their tool set is very limited. Well, look, look at it yeah, like this, I would, though. I would really much like to know what exactly is going on there. So, uh, Darren, Matt, if any of you see this by chance, I would love a death vlog, blog post, or even a tweet just saying, like, what went wrong? <laughs> That's hard for a company to <laughs> I know it's not <clears throat> easy to talk about internal stuff. Mm -hmm. I know you're probably not allowed to talk about a lot of stuff, but just a general hint. Did anything go wrong? Did you just lose momentum? Did you run against a wall that you couldn't break through? Is there still hope? Have you just kind of given up? That's kind of the question that have been uh, running around in my head for the past few weeks and honestly months mm -hmm. at this point. Well, like you got to look at it like yeah. this. So like, you know, you, ha you had Darren for, for a while that says, oh yeah, we got me and Matt and like two other people work on Mecca Online. You're sitting there going, well, that's a, it's, it's a huge game. Like what the hell? Basically, you had, you know, it's like it's like uh, um, patching a hole in a dam, but the dam is like, you know, and, you know, with a band-aid, but the wall is like, or the hole is like six feet wide, you know, type thing. You're just kind of like, what are you doing with like three people? And because, you know, obviously MechWarrior 5 was the moneymaker, you know, it came out on PlayStation, came out on Xbox, and PS5, and all that kind of stuff, and it that's their money. You know, that's what they're working for. But you see that in many other game systems and many other games that are out there. It's like, well, you know, that's on the back burner now. And, you know, that, that I mean, there's a dedicated player base, don't get me wrong, but that's on the back burner. We're working on MechWare 5. You know, this is where the money is. And, you know, I mean, companies are in the business for making money. They're not there to, you know, make something cool. They're, you know, obviously there's a money aspect inside anything a company does. So that's where the focus is, you know, and then it happens all the time in games. If you're a gamer, for as long as I have, you see this constantly. They put the old game in the background, say, yeah, that game's done. Yeah, don't worry about it, and we're going to work on XYZ. Same thing with uh, uh, Battletech, you know, and like uh, from Hairbanks Games. They put it in the back burner. They're like, okay, we're done, and we're going to go make um, whatever they're making now. I don't know what they're making now, but Hairbanks yeah. Games is the same thing. Every company does that. So what I've uh, talked about in the past was the impression I got from Darren um, about how things are going to go is that, oh, you know, if you talk to the community and we'll get enough buzz, we'll get you one guy. If one guy doing some work generates enough positive returns, we'll get another guy. So basically a, a rolling snowball effect. You know, just you start with a small team and you make it larger and larger and larger and you do more and more stuff for MWO. The... The thing is, is whilst you got a big spike because they talked about MWO Reborn and there was a bit of a spike when we introduced the uh, big weapon change pass, um, beyond that, you know, things have sort of decayed or died down a bit. And so, you know, it, if the whole plan is a snowball effect, then the snowball is getting smaller. <laughs> yeah. Though, to be fair, if, you're if we're talking about the snowball effect, if we zoom out to, let's say, the past three years, there was a big spike, so uh, got what you what you said uh, 
do bus, we get me. the first guy, more bus, another guy. We got the bus for the first guy, but I feel like we've never really gotten the first guy, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Or the first guy hasn't generated additional returns. It seems, yeah. you know, them talking about working on MWO and keeping the lights on more actively has, you know, it has bumped up the player base. But the the perhaps the feeling is that Russ looks at these, you know, these numbers and says, all right, we're doing mech packs, we're getting money, but we're not getting enough money. And we've got more players, but we haven't gotten enough players. And I'm not really going to hire somebody else to do more work on the game. Am I really going to see a return on that investment? Yeah. And that would be my guess for uh, what Russ's um, thought process is. All right, I got Darren on. We got a return. I got a map guy. We got maybe some return, maybe not. Uh, I'm, I'm not feeling it so much anymore. That's that's my guess of what's going on behind the scenes. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And I think at that point, it's kind of important to talk about the December patch, uh, because obviously Francois is a, as I believe it was a new hire specifically for McAvoy Online from outside the studio. I think so, yes. And so far, I don't feel like he's really generated a lot of value. We've talked about it last episode, uh, our displeasure about most of the map reworks. So December is going to be a really big and really important indicator if people like the new map. Because if people dislike the new map, I don't really want to say his hiring was wasted, but um, he didn't really generate a lot of positive buzz at that point. Let's just say if I were Russ and the map doesn't do too well, then I'm really not too going to be wanting to hire somebody else. Exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah. We got someone, they made a map, it wasn't popular, why should I hire more people? I mean, you know, it's silly, sometimes could be very close-minded, but... Uh, yeah. Know. If this was your prime pick, this was your first pick for somebody to work on the game, and this is the result you get, you know. But, yeah, uh, who knows? We did actually uh, see them talk about the new map, and we got a bit more, bit more of a glance at the new map. Um... Uh, this isn't the focus of this episode, but to me, it does look a little bit of a mess, though, who knows? <laughs> who knows? When they discussed the map, I found it a little interesting. They just said, oh, yeah, yes, there's lots of places for, you know, brawlers, uh, mid-range, snipers. And I was like, well, that, that's uh, that's not necessarily a full picture of how you should design maps, at least. Yes. Um, the thing is, a sniper perch aiming at nowhere when you know, no one goes. Like, I could have a sniper perch at the spawn. Um, that only really matters if we're doing faction warfare and they're spawn camping. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, MWO always follows a certain pattern. You both spawn you know, at your two different opposite ends of the map, you move towards the center, and you know, a brawl happens. So really what matters is just your choices leading up to the middle and then what can you do at the middle? That's kind of why I always like, you know, Rubelite Oasis, you have multiple choices where you go up on top of the building, go down below the building. And then when you're on the building or down below, you can, you know, you can always go left or right. You can always make choices in the center. Rubelite um, Oasis around the outside is just open plains. There's barely anything there. Um, but it doesn't matter because MWO has a flow to its maps. And a big part of that flow is a question of how do snipers interact with brawlers? How do mid-range interact with brawlers and snipers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just you need a position for every type of mech. It's um, how do all these different playstyles interact and how do you make sure that is a fun experience for everyone? Because if you have a completely flat map like Polar Highlands, it's a great map for snipers. Um, and maybe, fun you for some, 
But yeah, no fun for brawlers. But even if you just put random rocks in the field and say, well, brawlers can poke out from them if they wait long enough. It's like, yeah, technically true, but, you know, obviously that's not the whole picture. Another <clears throat> point, though, um, you need to keep, always keep in mind, Macor Online is a 12 versus 12 play air game, so you don't want to give too many options for too many play styles, or um, let me rephrase that. Um, you don't want to give for example, the snipers, six positions to go to necessarily, because realistically on average, you're going to have like one, two, maybe three snipers per game because the teams just aren't that big. So it's more important to kind of focus on um, what Byter said, getting the flow correct and less giving too many options because again, it's 12 versus 12, not 64 versus 64. And yes. like with a battlefield where you also have respawns and you really need this many options because Otherwise, you're just going to the same thing over and over again. Like scattering random barrels everywhere and just making sure there's ramps everywhere is great in like Call of Duty or something where you have constant respawns because it's a, a more arcadey experience where you could just, you know, you, you could spawn in any corner of the map in Deathmatch, for example. And so therefore, you always need just pieces of cover against any angle and you need to be able to go to any position that there isn't some big flow to the battle. But MWO is different. It has a big flow to the whole thing. And that's sort of the disquiet I have a bit about all of the changes is that even with what little powers they have, like it feels like to me the biggest thing was sort of the weapon changes. And overall, like um, that those changes pushed a lot more for the longer ranged uh, energy weapons. So large pulse, ER larges, somewhat PPCs as well on the IS side, but basically, you know, you could have a lot more potent uh, laser vomit mechs. And the thing with those is those are much more well dispositioned towards being poking mechs rather than mechs that really want to get, you know, stuck in like a DACA mech or a missile mech, so to speak. And that actually just comes back to my sort of thoughts that feelings that, you know, even as a solo before, you know, soup queue is a big factor, but also a factor is just that the game is not as fun for me anymore. And I think for me, it's the weapon changes are sort of pushing the game pro towards a more pokey play style, where it's just a lot of people hiding behind random barrels and sniping at each other. And well, if I want to play a game where you sort of snipe at each other, I just play World of Tanks. That's way more, you know, decisive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you actually um, bring up a good point, though. Like, the yeah. game is just not fun anymore. Um, I could barely run three games before, before I go, okay, I'm done. I just want to play this. It's, just, it's the same thing. Same exact thing, same people playing the game, same styles. They're not doing anything, tech, um, you know, tactic-wise. They're not doing anything, quote, fun. Like, I, I remember times that we're like, okay, let's do this. And, like, it was totally off the wall. Go to some island out in the middle of nowhere, and they have to come to us. We shoot them, and, you know, basically we won the game. That was, like, fun stuff to do. And now it's like, why'd you go over there? That was the, the you know, no one goes over there. It's like, well, I want to go over here because it's fun. It's I'm going to do something different. You know, and that's the point that that I think um, we're we're always trying to 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 like emphasize. People are doing the same exact thing, going to the same spots. I mean, literally in the first minute, you can tell if the games will be won or not just by who's going where, what mechs are going where. You know, and it's you can generally always tell. Decided at that first minute, yeah. Yeah, you know, you, <laughs> um, you can generally tell who's you know how who's going to win the game. You know, you have so, a ninety-five percent chance to figure out who's going to win or not. I think in the past you could always take ER large laser sniper and move to that hill on Crimson uh, Street. And yeah. the same applies now, and the ER larges have gotten some buffs. So you're more likely to have mechs that can actually back you up in that play style. Um, so that is actually less of a faux pas nowadays than it was then. For me, though, 
talking about fun because you know they were quote unquote designing for fun it's most a big part of it is actually just i really like in mwo standing shoulder to shoulder with my teammates and doing a concerted push mm -hmm. together yeah. yeah and uh part for me i don't really want to just peek and poke uh, at least peeking and poking is fun when i'm doing it but when i'm fighting a ppc sniper you know i have no opportunity to really return fire you know, you have to try and shoot at the, the top of the hill before they peek it, expecting them, you know, or something like that. It, it gets ridiculous. Basically, mechs peeking you are really, really difficult to counter. And I much more prefer, like for me, my if I have to fight against a PPC sniper at long range or an AC2 Dakabo, I prefer, gameplay-wise, the AC2 Direwolf because the direwolf has to remain in the open to keep engaging. And therefore, there's a back and forth that, hey, this guy is asserting pressure, but he is also putting himself at risk. And, you know, like, I can engage him, press R, and my team's LRM boats will help to support me. But if everyone is a sniper, it doesn't really work out that same way. You know, I, even though I sacrifice my armor, I don't really buy space for my team against a PPC sniper because we aren't actually trading with the sniper, so to speak. And so just, the weapon changes have pushed things much more, to, you know, on the energy side, a lot more for peeking and poking. Like, um, I've heard people talk about, oh, well, brawling is still a thing. And true, I do like brawling. So what do I take? I take two LB20s and two snub nose on a Corsair. That's a really good build right now because, you know, you get really close to the enemy, you expose for a moment, and kablam, you do a huge amount of damage. But, I, I mean, it... Obviously, I back away, and the opponent has not really much of a response to it. And it's it's not really me coordinating with someone else to push out and yeah. really engage heavily with this target. There's not this uh, shoulder, standing shoulder to shoulder, men at, men at arms, you know, that we've done before. Or they push very hard to break up the the NASCAR and the camaraderie scene in MWO. And so for me, matches feel a lot more scattered and just sniper uh, fights. And ultimately, at least. Um, that on top of the issues with soup queue and everything else leads to be just having less fun. Well, like you rarely even see tactics you know, like, like in the game. Rarely. Um, like they did give the Raven an extra, what, plus 100% sensor range or something like that? Or like sensor... Uh, seismic. Uh, yeah, seismic, yeah, right? Innate seismic. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Basically, you know, he's just going to stay by himself and do what he's going to do. If there's no tactics involved, the lights really don't really scout... The, the mediums don't plug up holes, the heavies don't, you know, basically they're off doing their own thing and the salts are doing their own thing. You know, it's it just, you know, tac tactical-wise and running with your teammates and, like, coordinating with them and all that kind of stuff, I don't see it. I, I mean, they're they're probably out there, don't be wrong. But literally, all the games I've played, uh, every single time i played, is just, you know, you don't see it whatsoever. And even when you have four-man teams, you just don't see it. I mean, there's it, it's just not there. Tactics are not there anymore. It's just run up, kill, do as much damage as possible, get your points, and then go off and do something else. You know, there, there, there's no tactics. But the, the tactic is you find a good firing position, you carefully engage the enemy, and then you make sure you minimize harm to yourself. And then you move out again, carefully engage the enemy, and win your trades. It, the, the meta has been pushed towards those, you know, if you like engaging in inefficient trades, then, yeah, the game has improved. But obviously, MWO for like five plus years has had players running around in big blobs of NASCAR. And mm -hmm. for some reason, they liked it. And they kept doing it for years. And um, breaking, up that, breaking up that play style obviously is going to break up what people found fun in that play style. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, you know, you know, 
people play the game for different reasons and different ways of like what they're doing. Some people like to win at all costs. Some people like to, you know, go in blobs of mechs. Some people like to do like other things. It's like, you know, that's, that's fine. That's perfectly okay. This actually. is my, yeah. my thought process though, is this, this does tie into map design um, that, you know, you have in various games, you know, different maps play very differently. So if it's Call of Duty or something that's very big, if you had a Polar Highlands type match, everyone knows this is time for shotty snipers. <laughs> yeah. um, if you have a close urban environment, perhaps this isn't the time for snipers, this is the time for submachine guns and shotguns and the like. And hey, there's a map which has a mix of all the various different ranges and stuff. In MWO, you can't really prepare your build for that, but the point still stands that um, what we see with a lot of the maps is it's really odd how PGI went about this. They looked at the game and said, hmm, most people really like forming NASCAR, so what we're going to do is go to the most popular maps and break those up and try and make them a bit more snipey or you know, have a lot more random barrels and make the flow a lot more constricted so it's harder for you to all push together as a group. And the, the thing I was like, um, if, if, if all they want to do is iron out the kinks in the game, they really need to just address primarily Polar Highlands and Alpine Peaks. Both of those maps had huge issues for, you know, a lot of mech builds. And for me, they were the most, you know, the parts that I had the least fun in. So, you know, what they've done instead, though, is they've gone into the game and changed the maps that people had the most affection for. And they've left some of the maps that people had the least affection for. You're doing yeah. things back to front. For some reason, Alpine is no more fun than our good old Caustic Valley. Yes, my favorite map, of course, gets ruined. <laughs> and I, what what Bida said earlier is actually something I've never really thought about. But you're totally right. Nowadays, with the new more pokey meta skill in Mega Online, is mostly defined of being able to find a good rock, being able to poke out and expose the minimal amount of time, and properly aiming. So, like, you kind of have to use a mouse as well, mouse if you want to be good. The whole how you position, how you toss a twist, how you run around certain mechs, how you run around a group, uh, how you use cover to dip in and out with a faster mech. All of that stuff has kind of vanished, and the new mechs, as well as the balance changes to weapons, have really accelerated that change. Where, especially if you go on something like HPG, and uh, you just have people, they find a corner and then they poke. And that's kind of, that's all they do. And for me, coming in as a more casual player who's been playing the game for years and prefers the more fast, the hit and one style of mechs, there's not really anything for me to do because, yeah, I can poke. I'm doing fast mechs, so I can probably poke fairly well, but it's just not enjoyable to me personally. Yeah, uh, I very much agree that, um, you know, it, it is a play style some people like doing, but um, obviously pushing everyone into that mindset, into that... Uh, uh, thing is is not necessarily fun um yeah smaller mechs lighter mechs just aren't doing so well and uh, more mobile play styles aren't quite the same as they used to be and so overall it's like i i think yeah, as we started with the biggest points is just that we are fatigued with mwo and it's the same game fundamentally it's still you know i i, I did a fair number of poke builds before i still do them now but um, yeah, a lot of the variety has been uh, stripped from the game, you know, with a lot of the nerfs and things to it. Uh, um, I just, I just have a lot less interest in conforming to a certain playstyle. You know, basically, like to you know, let PGI know that you know we love that you've made this game. Don't get me wrong. Don't get us wrong on anything. Like we love the made it. It's 
it's a great basically 12 versus 12 shooter as far as uh, um, being out there compared to what was before. Um, it's just we're we're uh, we're talking now. <laughs> I don't know. How to, I'm going to express it. Go step, I'm going to go another step further. I love what PGI has done in the past mm -hmm. year. But I have very much issues with um, yeah. who they've enlisted to help and how they've been taking feedback. And I think that plays a major role into how both the map and the uh, weapon changes have come about, mm -hmm. is how they took feedback. And um, yeah. for the sake of time, do we kind of want to get into that now? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think, I think we should get into that. Um, like, do we want to go over like our first experience over this community with the whole MWO? <clears throat> Start from the very beginning. Yeah, let's. Uh, by the I, yeah. I wasn't around, and by the time I was around, Bob had deleted all the messages. So I'm gonna let you guys summarize. I didn't it. delete like anything, uh, did I? Where? Where? I didn't yeah, you deleted uh, all the things, and I wasn't able to read it. And no, 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 no. I didn't delete yeah. like anything. Uh, for those of you who didn't catch on yet, uh, we're gonna be talking about um, this particular incident, still known as the Gulag in Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah, but I'll just leave it up to you for the beginning of that. All right. Um, to set to set the scene, yeah, this is soon after I think we had like Darren appeared on our podcast. Yeah, we had a chat with him about how MW, you know, the past, present, and future of MWO and stuff. Um, yeah, he turns up on No Guts No Galaxies Twitch, and you know, in chat, I, um, you know, he's he's saying, oh, we're still looking for feedback and stuff. So in chat, I say, I, I say, you know, I, I repeat my request that I made in the podcast that. It would be great if we had more data to help us make, you know, more helpful, grounded feedback. Uh, Which, by the way, is still a valid request. <laughs> yes. I still prominent, want more data. Yeah. A prominent Gulag member um, notices me and speaks up in the chat, calling me a stupid noob, saying, you know, I was just someone who blamed all the game's failings on the competitive community. Now, <laughs> I'm really confused by this because, like, uh, at that point, I had actually done very little to no complaining about the competitive community up until that point. Um, and it's really also off base because I'm actually kind of good at the game. And that was all besides the point when, you know, I was just asking for more data. What the, why, you know, why call me a noob at this point? is uh you know sort of an odd it's a very odd thing to do and it wasn't the first time i saw it that day either some of uh, uh some um earlier in the day i was in someone else's chat just in someone else streaming the game and i was discussing mech builds with them and some random person came up and said oh no all my points are flawed because i had you know critique the competitive community or whatever and he's and i was like w wait what do you mean and he said oh you know what you said <laughs> i was like wait no, no i don't um you know and so i thought about it for a bit and we from this we deduced that you know the way they talked about it that this name calling could only really have one source when we were planning to have Darren on our show, I had written up some ideas for how to represent the more casual fans out there. And one earlier hypothesis I had come up with was to discuss how casuals usually want something fun and easily accessible, like beer pong. You know, it doesn't require high skill to play a beer pong. You just throw the ball and then drink and stuff. But uh, competitive people, in contrast, will usually ask for something much more complicated and controlled, something like chess. Um, now, it seems like one of our former guests, you know, who is a fan of the com competitive community, was not too happy 
to see my hypothesis that chess might not be the most thrilling of experiences for everyone. And they went around various places to smear, smear my name because of how much of a slight this hypothesis was uh, to the competitive community. And yeah, what we had to do was obviously like um, this podcast, uh, if anyone knows our tone, <clears throat> we're usually trying to be much more fans of the Battletech franchise. That's why we have people on from, you know, uh, community members and game designers, and we try to make it, a, you know, a relatively encouraging experience. And, you know, this was, um, you know, this hostility was them trying to find fuel for, um, because we had Darren on, and I don't even know what we really did that should necessarily be that objectionable. We just sort of chatted with him and gave our perspective on things. Is that really too hard? Anyway, it meant we had to lock down the Discord because we can't have people from the community smearing other members of the community for this stuff. But yeah, this is our first real experience with the members of the Cauldron. They call me names because I dare to come up with a hypothesis that was trying to show how casual play is different and distinct from competitive play. You bastard! In, in a relatively private setting, um, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, at yeah. the end of the day, yes. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I was just gonna say, like, generally though, from the competitive, like, you know, like, um, I mean, I used to be part of that. I used to be part of um, MechWarrior Four. In the competitive field and it's i mean i i just can't even tell you basically there's so much competition there's so much you know stress involved that you know i'm you know, that you get into this kind of uh, flow of elitism you know and basically you know you're better than everyone else because you play in a competitive leagues or you know you know something like this there's a lot of good people like you know like competitive there's a ton of good people they're just those little bad apples that get that get like implemented it's, in and, and it's it, just it's, one of those um, yeah it's it just one of those things that does happen and i came to the conclusion that you know basically that's just not for me i'm more of a casual player i love playing with people i love playing with everybody you know to tell you the truth but that still stigmatism still you know i guess haunts me to this day of dealing with the competitive people it's just like you can't you know um and so i don't really try anymore i just you know i i just have that stigmatism like towards them more power to them though hey I More think, power to you guys. Um, Enjoy your game. Do whatever you got to do. But you uh, know, there's other people out there. You know, and that that that's yeah. what like I'm trying to explain. There's other people out there that do play the game casually that just want to go shoot it, people it, up with robots. It really depends, though, like who we're talking about in the competitive community. <clears throat> I've also played in MWO's competitive community ages ago, and somewhat recently with MWO Reborn, I did actually uh, join a Twitch streamer who was putting together a comp team, and all of them were noobs to start with and stuff. But the point, uh, what I noticed is that lower level comp, there's no problem with elitism whatsoever. They lose most of their matches anyway, <laughs> or at least they're going to win only half of them against people of their own level. Yeah. Um, it's only when you get to the higher levels and stuff that you're going to see things like elitism and you get these kind of cultural issues. Um, to try and you know not just make it all from the first circuit uh, podcast perspective, um, yeah. When I have been, you know, it, it, you know. That was just one incident back in the day. Obviously, the Gulag, the Cauldron are now in charge of feedback. And I think, obviously, looking at the feedback process is a very important part. So, um, you know, I have had some people reach out and talk to me about their experiences and feelings about, you know, the feedback channel. And I think there was one good quote I got from somebody, you know, just in com casual conversation back and forth. So to give this here now, um, they said, 
that the real problem in that channel slash server is that you've got, you've got certain people who are good at MWO and think of themselves as always being correct and have not realized that being good at the game does not necessarily mean they are good at communication or at balance. They have supreme confidence that they are correct about everything and so are blind to their own errors of understanding others. If you complain about being misinterpreted, they think you are just trying to cover for being wrong. And so they go on the offensive. This, mean, this makes it pretty much impossible to have a constructive conservation, uh, uh, conversation uh, or to really <laughs> learn anything from them either. The conversation basically ends as soon as you use a general term, they, they have a more specific one, a meaningful. From my experience, this is very much sort of at least what we often sort of see um, from the feedback channel, at least the uh, a sort of prominent culture in there. And uh, on top of that, I wanted to uh, embellish this with like a recent example of my experiences, you know, within, uh, you know, the feedback channel, the cauldron on the competitive discord. Uh, so, you know, somebody is complaining about the AMS Corsair and you know, it being able to stop several LRM boats. Uh, a cauldron member steps in and says, well, it only counters one, one mech very well. And the guy counters saying, no, well, no, pugs do not coordinate their fire and it can shut down more than one mech. I chime in because yeah, the, the other guy is actually right. Clan LRM is easily defeated by AMS because it streams whilst IS LRMs fire and burst. And that leaves windows for other, you know, for other mechs to be shot down because pugs do indeed not coordinate. Um, some, uh, someone says, um, you know, try an LRM Fafnir and see whether the AMS Corsair entirely blocks that. And I ask, well, isn't that just like one of the best mechs at punching through AMS? Well, yes, it is, they say. I, uh, I then ask, though, you know, for quick play, what would be a good example of a more typical LRM boat? And, you know, that someone says, well, just don't, play, don't run bad mechs. And goes on to give examples of other assault builds that can punch through AMS. That, you know, the optimal examples of getting through AMS. Others chime in saying, you know, if you must, here are the best builds that you can take. Um, and others say, it doesn't make sense to look at non-optimal builds for balance. A cauldron member chimes in. They ask, but <coughs> what if we want to run a single LRM-15 for fire suppression? And they all then engage in banter, laughing at stock mechs or whatever. You know, you know that that's a part of the elitism that basically that does happen a lot of times. Um, you know, other people's opinions don't actually matter because you know, quote, you're right. It doesn't matter if you're right. You know, the game is supposed to be fun for everybody. You know, not just you know why are you using that mech that you know is is obsolete. Well, I want to play because I like I like how the freaking paint job looks like. You know, it's so, just like who cares? You know, this isn't um, your game. This is my game. Your game everyone's game you know to tell you the truth that's where elitism actually comes in and they shut down everything else no matter you know how you know basically no matter what your views are so my thoughts on this is that you know the guy bringing up the ams corset is obviously doing so because he feels like it has an impact on the game the ams corset is often brought up and talked about because obviously how it interacts with missile max and it's half decent to fighting itself um yeah, that's why it's a topic of conversation. It's why, at least in group queue, we will often take uh, AMS Corsair if there's too much missile on the field. It's like, oh no, there's too much missile. Let's take a bunch of AMS Corsair. That will help balance out the game. Now, 
in terms of being productive in conversation, it's not really a matter of being pedantic about exactly what the most optimum builds are. It's instead trying to recognize what the guy is, what me and the guy are talking about, which is saying, hey, AMS Corsair is pretty good. That's all I'm arguing for. And now we're getting into stock builds. We're talking about why are you running bad mechs or something like that. I'm not even saying bad mechs. It's the whole point, at least at least from if we're discussing, you know, this is feedback. If we're discussing game design, the focus should be on obviously the impact AMS Corsair has on the game and getting lost in, you know, this, what's the very, you know, who will be the very best whoever was <laughs> is, you know, is a load of nonsense. All right. Yeah. Um, well, like, you know, speaking about stock designs, I, I did several videos just using stock mechs, and I got some good points. I got, you know, six, six yeah. to 800 damage on a stock mech, you know, and living at the same time. So, you know, it, it's all about piloting. It's all about, like, different things that you do with the stock mech than just, like, so, oh, that's a bad mech, period. The, that's it. The, the, yeah, yeah. Um, I think stock mechs shouldn't really be where we design the game for, but uh, very briefly, though, small missile counts are obviously a big deal when it comes to light mechs because they don't always have a lot of missile hard points and they want to use missiles. So therefore, hey, an LRM-15 is not is nothing for an, an assault mech, but LRM-15 for a light mech can be quite an investment. But um, yeah. yeah, anyway, uh, this is all focusing on game design when really what we're going to do is try and laugh at people who like stock mechs. You know, we're, we're trying to be petty and predictive here. Remember, Bob, laugh at <laughs> other people. Don't okay. focus on game design. Right. Sorry, I, I just like to have fun, that's all. Sorry. <laughs> I respond to the, their comments about it not making sense to look at suboptimal mechs. I say, well, doesn't it matter what we are optimizing for? A big, slow mech that can punch through AMS is not the same as what's best for quick play, where things like mobility could be quite valuable. You know, that LRM Fafnir has a lot of LRMs, but it doesn't really, you know, it's really slow and can easily, you know, um, it, it takes a while to get into position. And, it, it, and if you get caught out of position, it's going to be really hard to get away and extract yourself from the enemy, you know? So yeah. for most average players, they might actually prefer an LRM mech with a bit more speed to it. <laughs> um, you know, things continue in a similar fashion. I slowly push my explanation of how people tend to play this game, whilst they tell me that, you know, LRMs suck, that LRMs are countered by AMS, and, you know, asking, why do I even think this is an issue? Uh, things end, the whole conversation ends when I make it clear that I'm just trying to clarify how effective the AMS Corsair can be, to which they respond with mockery. Someone new chimes in and types wah, claiming it was an accident to raucous applause from most of the chat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's my example of the recent <laughs> experience of giving feedback in the Discord channel. And you know, if this was randos, I guess it's okay. But the fact is, is that you know, the culture members are also chiming in on this culture that they aren't focusing on the game design or on the important prescient points. They are instead adding to, you know, petty, you know, just adding to the noise and stuff. So, yeah, just to give my thought, uh, final thoughts on you know, just the culture and everything else. You know, I'll say this. Whilst, okay, fine, I am not perfect, and I'm not exactly the most affable of people. Hold on, let me write this down, you know, the time yes. and date. <laughs> I think that any reasonable actor would recognize that I am actually quite familiar with the game, and that I can make well-structured arguments. 
over the many months I have spent watching and interacting with this feedback channel, the dominant culture I've seen is one where that is both petty and vain. The people, the way that people chitter chat is fine. Though when they come into contact with even a mildly dissenting opinion, the response is usually blunt and close-minded. When I pitch in to talk about the potency of the AMS Corsair then, I was met with frivolous counter-arguments based on silly premises, along with snickering about stock builds, and when those dirty tactics didn't work, outright mockery. Whilst I don't think that the competitive discord needs to be turned into some big kind of hog box, the pettiness, spite, and general lack of integrity exhibited by members of the Cauldron and this Discord has always been one of the most off-putting parts of the MWO community recently. Whilst I am no, in no doubt that the Cauldron are quite familiar with the, uh, with the game, that does not necessarily mean that they are good at managing a healthy community or at game, game design. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I definitely agree. I don't go there because it's like, why? You know, you know, if I'm going to be shut down, it's like, pfft, okay, I'll just go ahead and do my own thing. You know, you know, type thing or not even, you know, bring up points that should be brought up. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You know, and th that's why I never liked elitism from anybody. Um, you know, play the game the way you want to go play. I don't care, you know, how you play. Just have fun with what you're doing. You know, I don't care if I win or lose. Just play the game to have fun. You know, and uh, um, I just never liked elitism from from a lot of from people that I've met throughout the years. I think um, you know, good game design is a very much sort of an art and a science that you know it, it's very difficult necessarily to point to what is exactly good game design, but that's what makes it so interesting uh, to grasp and try and tackle with. The tricky thing is though, if you let your own personal issues and biases come in, that that's always the art of the of game design you know that mm -hmm. if if somebody comes in and talks about the ams corsair and doesn't accept all of your points about lrms like just they're, they're trying to shut down that conversation even though the, there is a through line if you had you know solid integrity as a game designer that we aren't encouraging that kind of culture instead it's very much enforcing uh um a imaginary of ideas like uh, one analogy i sort of <clears throat> Um, you know, uh, felt was quite prescient with all of this is that yeah, feedback onto the cauldron somewhat sort of resembles the People's Assembly of Ancient Rome, of Republican Rome specifically. Mm -hmm. It's mostly a rubber stamping process where politicians come to ratify their policies with the veneer of popular support. The crowd do actually have a say, and some valuable discussion does take place there. However, the mob mentality and selection bias does not make this place a very good form of democracy. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is kind of a point where I want to chime in. Uh, Byte has given us a couple of examples of bad interaction we've had with the cold one. Um, I do want to bring up one more example, one specific one um, about giving feedback. Uh, so you guys may or may not remember many episodes ago uh, when the whole integration of uh, group queue into solo queue was discussed. We were very positive about it. Uh, in particular, we had Lush on back then for an episode or two, who very much supported the move, as did I. And it's at the point where every time Lush in particular, but sometimes also me, uh, I've seen that um, tries to give feedback on Reddit or directly the Discord for the feedback channels. We always get met with uh, not, okay, 
I think your argument is stupid because, but rather, oh, aren't you the guy who uh, thinks who thinks Soup Q is so amazing? Well, I'm not gonna listen to anything you have to say because you think Soup Q is amazing, and I w I really want to bring this up because uh, I think this is the point where obviously Lars isn't here to talk about it himself, but that's what, as far as I can tell, completely drove him off of Reddit. I, he was fairly active over there for a long time, but then he's just been getting that whenever his name was mentioned, uh, the competitive people and in particular some people from the Cauldron as well, just speakering about SoupQ. And completely irrelevant was the original argument was just his name yeah. is for some reason now associated with something that the competitive community finds overly negative. And it's, um, even I, by the way, um... You know, uh, there was one discussion and some Cauldron member came in and I was like, oh, well, you know, you're a sort of associated with someone who said things. And it's mm -hmm. just, um, he's not discrediting the argument. He's discrediting me because I'm associated with yes. a person. You, it's, it, you're attacking the person, not the argument. Yep. And um, that's the number, rule, number one rule in making arguments. Never attack the person. Always attack the argument. But yeah, uh, I do want to bring up a couple additional points. Uh, I'll try to be quick to not draw our negativity out too much. Um, Bider said uh, he's pretty certain the Cauldron is quite familiar with the game. I want to bring up one counter point to that. Um, we There was a... Oh, um, I think they lack an understanding of a lot of things that aren't as prestigeful to play. big example for me is IS Tweak changes. Um, Changes were made that we all agreed were absolutely terrible. The reason that was stated on the uh, change log page wasn't all that compelling. Uh, we later got from one of the cult members that none of them really played streaks, none of them played missile weapons at all. They had like one guy who was actively playing missile weapons every now and then, and yet they're kind of just making changes to things they don't understand. And they realized it was terrible. They uh, reverted those changes, but partially and in my opinion they still didn't probably do it the way they should have done it and my impression from their public comments is they are tryhards and they like to be seen as tryhards and after years of looking down on people who play weapons and actively cursing out anyone who dared use the good old lrm atlas or the old streak max they can't really get out of the toxic mindset and this alone is a glaring issue for balance as they will obviously focus on things they A, understand, and B, like, or are good at. And as can seen by the heavy focus on laser weapons, um, which have always been a favorite of the primarily keyboard and mouse playing more tryout community. Whereas obviously things like lock-on weapons have been always a favorite of people who play with joystick, uh, gamepad, who can't aim quite that well and who rely on that game assist. Um, another thing that was mentioned by Bider, confirmation bias. The most vocal people of the Cauldron are the ones with the worst behavior. At least that's my very definite impression from Reddit and in particular the Macron and forums. Um, there are certain people that have been running with a particular group that has been outright banned from the game. All of them except for that one guy and that one guy is now probably the most vocal member of the Cauldron. And it shows that he's still not really changed his behavior from the toxic way he was back then. And I honestly don't know if that's the truth, but it feels like these toxic people are the ones who primarily collect feedback, which has 
number of issues, but just to name a few. Um, they are the ones of the, yeah. I mentioned just uh, to con compare and contrast a little is um, I do sort of from um, discussions in the feedback channel, I do quite like what Navid has to do where he comes in and says, hey guys, yes. here's an idea. And people give him some thoughts and he responds to those not attacking the people, but talking about, you know, the game as a game designer. And I, I'm really impressed by, I think, what yeah. David does. I think he is a very technically minded person. He, you know, not perfect. No, I know Matt's, no one's perfect. But uh, I think he is a huge asset to the cauldron. Yes. And the tricky thing is that when I hear from a lot of the other ones, if I start, you know, narrowing in on issues of their game design, they just go, oh, well, if you have any issues, uh, please complain to other members of the cauldron. And they always talk about, well, you know, none of us agree. It's all a big democratic uh, thing going on. The thing is, I actually only, I think one of you guys are you know, pulling everybody along and um, it, it feels like a lot of the others are causing all of these, a lot of these issues that um, good game design is getting in the way of a lot, uh, because there's a lot, at least good games, if the, I see a lot of petty people, there's going to be a lot of that pettiness when it comes to game design. And that's my concern. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to stress that Navid is definitely one of the best guys. If you have a conversation with him on the forums, yeah. he's always very rational <clears throat> and he'll just completely ignore the other members of the call twin who tend to attack people more often, but still the issue is, uh, if the one, if the people like Bada said, that, which are the most petty are the ones that seem like they're collecting the feedback, they have the most ego. And are most likely to change, improve, summarize certain feedback to kind of fit the narrative. And maybe even more importantly, outsiders are less likely to give feedback in the first place because we'll just be laughed away, called names. Uh, the soup queue is going to be brought up whenever I try to give feedback on anything, whatever it is. And that also leads to a point where PGI, whenever they uh, look at, whenever they have time to look at the forms and stuff, they're going to see less and less feedback contradicting the cauldron, meaning they're more likely to just rubber stamp whatever the cauldron is doing. And yeah, it's just this kind of snowball effect again, right? People are less likely to give contradicting feedback because they'll just be left away. So less feedback is happening overall. There's an issue with, um, what's it called? Survivorship bias that, you know, you only really hear things from those who actually survive. And so, you know, the people who you've got to uh, work with the game right now are those who have stuck with it for years. <laughs> and that's not necessarily exactly one-to-one -one with the type of, you know, with the people you want to come back. Yeah, very true. So, so to summarize my thoughts on the cold one, um, in my opinion, the biggest issue with the cold one is not necessarily their balancing decisions. <laughs> I honestly don't play regularly enough to care about my stats, so nerf all my weapons, whatever, I don't care. I have fun playing, I don't really care about my numbers anymore. And also, people like Nivit do give me some trust that their balancing isn't that terrible. But their main issue, in my opinion, is their uh, public relationships. The group needs to either cut certain people that are very negative, or the cauldron should be split up into multiple groups that have to argue with each other. I don't know. Love it or hate it, the cauldron is very much interlinked with the future of Macware Online. And I personally don't trust it to do a good job the way they're currently doing it. And that lack of trust is definitely contributing to my lower play hours in solo play. To take a broader view a little bit in my head, it's um, in the past when it was under PGI, you could 
put your thoughts in the forums, but the forums were a toxic cesspool. <laughs> now that um, the game is actually being designed by uh, the community, it, the, the, the state of that community does feel a lot more relevant. And so if you're very active in the game, um, it's quite discouraging seeing that aspect of the community much more, you know, if you want to be involved, you have to be much more exposed to the awful sides of that community. Uh, or if you're not that interested, you you just have, you know, the patch notes, which are a nightmare to read through and don't really necessarily generate a lot of interest. So it's either boring patch notes or you're involved and you either are happy with the toxic aspects of the community, you put up with it, or you're put off put up by it. And I'm kind of a bit put off put by it. So that's kind of why I'm not too keen to play the game. I'll just play yeah. something else. 100%. And... I'm off-put by the behavior, so I have zero incentive whatsoever to get involved with the cauldron. Even if they were to come around and like, hey, okay, uh, you have a very different opinion. Want to join us, bring in your perspective. Honestly, no. I've seen your Discord. I really don't want to take part of that Discord, period. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like the same way. You know, like when we had the cauldron on, <clears throat> I uh, didn't want to be a part of it. I just uh, don't really care, you know, um, as far as uh, different things that are going on. Granted, there are some good people in, in there, like Neved, um, a couple others that I talked to that you know had uh, really good like insights and stuff like that. I just um, during the episode, I just didn't want to be part of it, so I did. I decided not to be uh, um, there for the podcast. Yeah, you know, that's... when when you chat with them in person by voice, they can be all right. Yeah, I think that there's the really tricky thing. Just you see always online, like on Twitter and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. When you chat with random people, just nicknames on the internet via text, it becomes very easy just to, you know, not necessarily put in the effort or just you know say oh you're just stupid and just leave it at that. It's it's so easy just to belittle others and stuff because it's just text on the screen. I don't care. But um, yeah, because a lot of the feedback is handled by text and there's no efficient filtering process that I'm really sort of seeing necessarily. There's no way that this democracy is actually being improved. I'm therefore not given a great feeling about the future necessarily. It's, it's, a, it's a status quo that isn't the most welcoming. Yeah, um, to, to, uh, to add on to it, I just don't like elitists. Uh, that's just uh, one of my things. Like in gaming. I think you've made that very yeah. clear. I don't like elitists, yes. damn it. <laughs> okay, anyways, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Um, it's, it's, um, I think, though, that is mostly... Yeah. We've gone on for a good amount of time. That is mostly our sort of feelings about MWO Reborn at this sort of point that... Um, <laughs> Obviously, PGI has had limited resources to really rework things, but I'm really kind of 50-50 about the changes. There's some good, and there's also some bad, and it, it, it kind of evens out, and, you know, just the, the way I feel about the community and stuff, it, it leaves things a little bit negative for me, and I don't see a positive route out of all of this. And, you know, what baffles me is, is how out of touch all of this is. MWO is a dwindling game, and that situation should be rather humbling. Its stewards cannot afford to act unwisely, and they shouldn't try to pass the buck whenever they feel the pressure. When the kingdom's re reputation is uh, failing and the company is falling apart, we need to hang up our pride, tear away that the red tape, and have an honest look at ourselves in the mirror with a mind to improve ourselves, because that is the only path to salvation. That is a good take, man. Damn. Okay, oh, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, this is episode 159 what? of the First Circuit Podcast with our host, Ian. 
I have nothing to add to our eloquent British friend. Yeah, I know. That was just damn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks. Um, Don't worry. They'll be telling me tomorrow that you should fly LRMs together and not try and fly them. Thank you, guys. Yes, you're very helpful. (laughs) We have Ian as one of our hosts. Thank you for listening to this uh, episode and see you on the next one. Myself, Oldbot10025, and uh, thank you very much for being here. And Biter. For some reason, we're covering the patch notes. See you next time. Yes, we're covering the cap. Yeah, see you later. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>